You're listening to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast, sponsored by Franklin Professional Associates, excellence in staffing and recruiting, and supported by regional leaders like AIS. We're on it. Hello and welcome to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon from the North Central Massachusetts Chamber joined by Kat Deal as we continue our On the Road series. Kat, where are we today? Today we're over at 24 Monument Square in Lemonster and we're here with Marty Connors, President and CEO of Rollstone Bank. Marty, thanks for letting us into the bank today. Well, I'm glad to have you here. I feel kind of special. We're in the boardroom today. Yeah, this is where it all happens. We're all have all the magic happens. <laughs> yeah. And we're not just in the boardroom. We're like right next to Marty at the head of the table. We so are. I feel like we've worked our way up. We've worked our way up till today. <laughs> I, I agree. We've worked hard for this position. So Marty, can you <laughs> start off telling us a little bit about your history? Have you always been in finance or what drew you to finance and banking? Yes, I have been in finance my entire career. I went to uh, Bentley College, which is now Bentley University. I was an accounting major. Uh, I actually went there with the plan of being a banker someday and while I was there, I had a little career change in my own mind and went into accounting and I went. I became a CPA after I got out of out of Bentley with a, a local firm called Regan & Company, which is still around. It was William S. Regan & Company back then. And uh, I spent some time there and then I was approached by Safety Fund National Bank, which um, was a very dominant player at the time. This is, we're talking about uh, 1987 and I ended up being at Safety Fund for 10 years. I started as a controller and I ended as a chief financial officer. And we sold the bank in 96. And I went back to Regan and Company for about eight years. And then I was approached by what was then Fitchburg Savings Bank, which is what is now Rollstone Bank. We changed the name uh, here back in 2008. So I've been here ever since 2004. That's uh, a long career in, uh, in finance. 19 years, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I was going to say, you've, you're almost going to celebrate your 20th year here at Rollstone. Next year, yes. And you know, when you're in one institution for that long, besides a name change, there's been a lot of changes in the finance world. The industry in has changed yeah. a lot. A lot has happened in the last 20 years. I mean, it's 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 a very changing environment here um, in general in, ter- in terms of the finance industry. Much more technology-based. You know, I remember when I first came here, you know, emails, you know, you'd do a couple emails a day and that was about <laughs> it. A lot of phone calls back then. Now I literally receive well over a hundred a day. I can't imagine. Luckily, you know, eighty of them are junk, so I can get rid of them <laughs> quick. But uh, yeah, it has. I mean, the technology has been a big has been a big change for yeah. for banks. I mean, for every industry. Well, Rollstone too has, has undergone some changes. I know Kat may mentioned the name change, but you've managed to stay local, yes. and, and you've kept changing to meet with the times. Can you talk about some of the changes that you've seen with Rollstone over the past twenty years? Well, yeah. I mean, when when we were Fitchburg Savings Bank. Um, you know, when I first came here, we were a, a very traditional uh, mortgage lender, um, and part of the part of the reason the board um, asked me to join them was because I came from a commercial banking background, and they wanted to be more into business lending. So, you know, we made that change. Um, you know, changing the name, you know, it was really kind of uh, changing the whole uh, culture of the bank, mm-hmm. and. And, and taking Fitchburg off the name was not intended to be any type of slam on the city of Fitchburg. I mean, I grew up in Fitchburg uh, in the college uh, neighborhood, but the reality was that we were operating in uh, different markets. Uh, the Lemister market is a different market than the Fitchburg. Mm-hmm. We have a branch, you know, we have a branch in Harvard, we have a branch in Townsend. Uh, we now have a branch in Groton, but we did not back then. But the, the point is, 
that the name Fitchburg was limiting. And also, I mean, can you imagine putting Fitchburg Savings Bank sign in downtown Lemonster? <laughs> that uh, would have gone especially over well. Not the week, especially not the week of the, of the uh, Thanksgiving football game. <laughs> but in um, having uh, savings in your name also, you know, that, that conjured up the image of a, of a um, savings and loan type institution, which is not what we wanted. So at the same time as all that, we were also in the process of getting our um, trust powers so we have a trust department here, and it's not, a, it's not a license, so to speak, but the regulators have to say it's okay for you to operate a trust uh, operation. So it all came together. We wanted a name that really kind of tied the bank to the Fitchburg community. Mm-hmm. And um, I have friends in the industry that have changed bank names. I spent thousands of dollars <laughs> with marketing firms and so forth. And... So one day, Linda Racine, who was head of marketing back then and a lot of things here, uh, Linda and I just started throwing some names on a piece of paper. And, you know, we said, you know, Rollstone, the Fitchburg community knows what that is. Mm-hmm. Harvard and Townsend really probably don't know what Rollstone means other than the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a type of granite. Mm-hmm. It, it, it conjures up strength. We knew we could do stuff with that name. You know, for a long time, our logo was, you know, rock solid banking. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Since 1846. So anyway, so we, we changed the name and um, and we're, gl- we're glad we did it. It's much more regional too. It's it's it gives you the feel of you know it's Rollstone. It is, it's, and it's we a had a we, we had a plan uh, which we did execute to open an office in Worcester, and uh, now we just have a meeting space in Worcester. But we did have a uh, loan production office for ten years down um, the old Exit Sixteen, which uh, is where a cool cool Chinese restaurant used yeah. to be. Yeah. And, and it was a 99 restaurant there when we were there. That's both, they've both closed since then. So again, Fitchburg Savings Bank with uh, frontage on Route 290 really wasn't the, the, the way to go. Yeah. So that's kind of a little bit about the transition over time. But at the same time, we are locally based. We're a mutual bank, which means that we don't have shareholders. Okay. Our depositors legally own the bank. Oh. Okay. Well, we have a holding company mm-hmm. that's, owned, that's owned by the depositors mm-hmm. that, that owns the bank. So we don't have the pressure of Wall Street and trying to report great earnings every quarter. Does that free the bank up to um, kind of focus more on the local initiatives and the, the business ventures that you choose to support, that sort of thing? It frees you up from the standpoint that you can do things for the long term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know it may be a hit to earnings this year, but you know it's the right thing for next year and the year after and the year after. So not having those type of pressures. So, yeah, I mean, mutual ownership, I hate to say this, but we look and feel a lot like a credit union from the standpoint, you know, uh, credit unions talk about their members, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, You know, the members own the credit union. Our depositors own own our bank. And that just makes you feel like you have an investment in the in the bank that you're that you're putting your money into, right. you you have a better standing. In, right. I mean, we we have a charitable foundation which is associated with the bank. Uh, from the standpoint, it's common, you know, common boards and so forth, and we do a lot with that. So the bank has funded that foundation over the years, and you know, there's a couple million dollars in that foundation, and uh, so we do a, we do a lot with that. And I know most recently, Lemonster, I mean, you have two properties. We're here in downtown, but you also have your mortgage building, which is right across the Manusnock Brook right here. Right. Uh, you had flooding come right through this area. And right. 
the bank stepped up to help out with the Lemons to Relief Fund. Can you talk a little bit about uh, that decision to help out with that fund and some of the other projects that you've been able to invest in and help in in these most yeah, recent Yeah, that was years? kind of an automatic. I yeah. mean, you know, uh-huh. um, first off, there are not many local banks left. Mm-hmm. And we have a very good relationship with the city. We have a very good relationship with Dean Mazzarella. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could see what was going on next door, you know, in, in terms of the flooding and so forth. So that was a that was an absolute, you know, no-brainer. I mean, uh, luckily, we didn't have any customers that were really impacted. But there were a lot of people that were, that were really impacted, yeah, as, you, were. As, as you know. Yeah. So, and there's still, I mean, there's a problem out there with people that still haven't been to replace their furnaces and you got cold weather coming mm-hmm. or, or now you do have cold weather. We have cold mm-hmm. weather. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are some folks that are having trouble just, you know, supply chain or just having the money to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, whether they had the insurance that would cover that type of thing. So anyway, it was really the least we could do. Now, Marty, for you as president and CEO of the bank to be able to help out with different initiatives like this, helping make an impact on your neighbors that have felt the effects of the flood, What's it like for you to be in charge of an organization where you're able to help give back and make an impact besides what you do in your day-to-day role? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's how we, it, it, we, you know, we, again, we don't have shareholders, so we don't pay a dividend to a shareholder. Um, so what we do is we pay the dividend to the community. That is the, probably the best part of my job, hmm. um, knowing that we make a difference. And there have been so many other companies that have left the area or don't have leadership that live here and I'm thinking I'm really thinking more on the on the manufacturing side but even the banking side a lot of a lot of people don't really have any tie they have a, a lot of professional managers that come in and do a good job for the company but you know they need to get on the road at night to go who knows where so um, you know I live two miles from here and uh, I've always been very fortunate that I've worked in the community in my entire career. And when you talk about the Twin Cities, I know Rollstone Bank, as you mentioned, you know, this is kind of really the home base, you could say Fitchburg or Lemonster. And your Lemonster location recently expanded across the street. Fitchburg, I had the pleasure of um, going in last week and seeing your renovated conference room uh-huh. and the downtown footprint you have there. Can you talk about that commitment to staying in both the downtown areas and the importance of that as the bank? You know, our, a lot of our back office operations are out of Fitchburg. We have a lot of employees that come from the West. So it's a, it's a good location for our folks that live in Gardner, Westminster, Phillipston, you know, all the way out Route 2. It's good space. Um, I think I, I saw something uh, you want to talk a little bit later about FATV. It was great having FATV come in and, and rent some space for us. So we did have some extra space in the, uh, in the Fitchburg, uh, Fitchburg campus. It's a good-sized campus. There's a, there's a lot there. You folks probably don't remember when we had the round building in downtown Fitchburg that was where you parked the other day when you were, Travis, when you were there for the mayor's breakfast the other day, you parked in a parking lot. There used to be a building there, which was, it wasn't the original headquarters of Fitchburg Savings Bank, but it was the it was really the first standalone um, building that they had. Mm-hmm. And then one of my predecessors built what they called the tower at the time, which is, you know, a tower for Fitchburg is a four, four-story mm-hmm. building. <laughs> and, um, and that's where you were the other day. But I mean, the Fitchburg location is important to us. Uh, we did have a branch there, uh, you know, retail branch, mm-hmm. and we kind of took a step back, and we were doing very little business there. But you know, our John Fitch location extremely busy, mm-hmm. our Park Hill location extremely uh-huh. busy, and um, so I, I kind of look at those decisions like if I had a clean piece of paper, would I put three branches in Fitchburg today? 
no, I'd probably have the two I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, we have two here. I mean, you know, someone could say, gee, why do you have a, why do you have a location in downtown Lemonster and you also have a uh, location two miles, not even two miles, up Central Street? And we looked at that with the help of some consultants and so forth. And the people that come to this location are more from here heading north towards Fitchburg. And the people that support that Central Street location is more south, you know, it's more sterling and out that way. So the two branches, they do, they do justify themselves. Absolutely. And, you know, they're in the heart of their communities. They're walkable branches. They're, they're in, on transit lines for buses as well. We're going to step aside for a quick break, but we'll continue our conversation on the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast in just a moment. Do you have the right high-quality employees to successfully compete and grow your business? Franklin Professional Associates' team of recruiters in Lemonster is here to help you hire the best so you can be your best. Visit franklinprofessionals.com today. Welcome back to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon, Cat Deal, as we continue our On the Road series in downtown Lemonster. We're chatting with Marty Connors, the president and CEO of Rollstone Bank and Trust at their downtown Lemonster branch at 24 Monument Square. You're very involved in the community, as we talked about earlier. But one of the things that you also offer is education, not only to your members, but to the public. You offer you offer um, education for senior citizens, on fraud protection, and you actually have a really rigorous schedule of opportunities to learn more about your finances, even if it's how to balance your checkbook. I, when I was looking through all the services and all the education, I was really surprised that you're offering that much because you are a bank. Why is that so important? It's, well, it's very disheartening when you see the number of attempted frauds on our customers. For, for example, last month we had 11 incidents we needed to just make our board aware of. We don't give them the names or anything, but we give them the type of incident, whether it be computer fraud or there's a lot that lot goes on. And a lot of times it's elderly that are involved. Yeah. And uh, elder fraud is very real. And Mark Ravel, who was our head of retail, and um, probably, I mean, he just became head of retail, but at the same time, he hands a lot of our training. Mark goes out to the nursing homes and so forth, and, um, you know, different places where older people will um, have an opportunity to hear, you know, how to avoid these type of things. So, yeah, you know, very involved in the literacy, financial literacy. You know, a lot of people are taken advantage of, and um, it's, 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 it's sad. Mm-hmm. It, it's really sad. And, um, you know, we do all we can to educate them. Yeah, and it shows a commitment to the community that you're providing education for them to keep their money safe. Yeah, that's not something that everybody um, does, and I hope that people are taking advantage of it. If you're listening and you haven't, you should check out the opportunities that Rollstone Bank is offering on their website. Along the same lines, too, uh, you know, on, on the education side, we do our wealth management department. You know, we have um, three financial advisors there that are very up on Social Security rules. That's a very complex situation. I- um, you know, the whole decision of, you know, when do I start taking my money? Should I, should I take it at 62? You know, should I wait? You know, some people, I think in my case, I think I'm eligible at 66 and a half or should you wait till 70 to really max out? And, you know, every situation is different. Mm. There are variables, you know, obviously, you know, how, what you have for financial means is, is a thing, but also, 
you got to kind of take a little bet on yourself in terms of how long, you know, if we all knew when, you know, how long we're going to live. It'd be what's kind our of, expiration you know, date, you know, right? Yeah, what's our expiration date? Because if I know that, then I can just do the math and it's easy. All you can do is give people the information they need to make a decision. At the end of the day, it's their decision, mm-hmm. you know, not our decision. But. And when you talk about expiration dates, I, I want to get more of it on this line of thinking. But I think a lot of folks, too, are even thinking a little bit differently now of not just do I have enough money till I go, but what am I going to leave for the next generation? I think there's a lot more thought going into that generational wealth than there used to be. I agree. I, I agree with that. You know, estate planning is a, um, again, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. It's hugely personalized. Yeah. You need to, you need to sit with somebody who understands it mm-hmm. and uh, they can't make decisions for you. I mean, you, you need to make your own decisions. But you look at, did your parents have a long life, long, healthy life? Things like that that only you you really know the answers to. You know, it's interesting that you talked about estate planning, Travis and and, and Marty, because I've been uh, seeing a lot on social media, on TikTok and on reels and on short clips, all this sort of like financial advice. I can't imagine that that hasn't had an impact on the banking world, that there's like all these people giving, they say they're giving advice, whether it's real advice, sound advice, and how that impacts when they come into the office and they're like, hey, I have a question about this thing I saw on TikTok. Right, right. There's a lot of attention there today because the baby boomers are all retirement age. Yeah. You know, and uh, we work with a lot of people who are retiring and they have 401ks and, you know, they need to do something with it mm-hmm. or they want to do something. With mm-hmm. it. And again, all you can do is pretty much tell people what their options are, uh, but we will not make decisions for them. Yeah. We just say, here. Here are your options. Here's what I might do if 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 it was me, but yes, do please what, come to the bank. <laughs> do what you do what you can sleep with. At yeah, night. come to the bank for yeah. advice and not TikTok. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean that's the other thing too. I mean we you know uh, yeah we have an 800 number. You know if you need to talk to somebody, our branches are staffed with people. It's kind of a trend now. You put you know you just put machines in the in the branches. If you have a problem, you go up to the TV screen and you talk to somebody who's in some call center somewhere, and uh, that's not how we operate. Yeah. Now, am I saying that's going to be forever? Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen in the next 20 years? Um, it's not going to be. In the near future, we have no plan on getting rid of people to put in TVs. One of the things that I always like is when I come in, I get greeted by the teller, and there's usually someone in an office next door, and they'll also you know, just kind of ask how I'm doing and that sort of thing. And there's something, I think, about that personalization where it makes you feel like you're, you're a part of something right. when you come in here. That's great. Well, thank you for the business. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> and, you know, we also noticed on the so, on your social media that you also talk and celebrate your employees a lot. There's um, anniversaries and birthdays and posts that go out about that. And you really are curating a great culture of individuals as well. Well, I hope so. We have, you know, we have very little turnover here. Most of our turnover here is related to retirements. Now, one industry problem is the age of our employee base. And this is every bank. That's yeah. not just here. Yeah. Okay. Um, when was the last time you talked to a high school kid and that said <laughs> they, they want to be a banker someday? Yeah. Um, you know, everybody wants to, you know, on the business side, everybody wants investment banking or, you know, they want technology or, or that type of thing. And what's happened is, now we have a lot of, you know, 50 and 60 year old bankers running around and there's not a lot of, you know, young people going into the business. I mean, back when I got out of school, if you're going to the banking route, Shawmet and Bank of Boston and those, they all had training programs. And uh, 
So a lot of bankers that would be now in their mid-50s to mid-60s all went through a training program. Now, we do that to a, li a limited extent here. We try to hire one person a year out of school and figure out where they're best suited, where's their interest, whether it be lending or, or wealth management. But a lot of the banks don't do that anymore. It's the, so you're not putting a, a whole new generation of bankers. So what's going to happen over time is, is because of that, you're going to see more mergers in the banking industry. Oh, you know, I, I mean, see. right now, the United States has just under 4,000 banks. But it wasn't that long ago that there were 10,000 banks wow. in, oh in the United States. Now, Massachusetts, being a small state, we're way overbanked, okay? I mean, we have, we have 100 banks in Massachusetts plus the credit unions. Oh. Okay, that doesn't That's count. a lot of banks. That's a lot of banks for a small state. Yeah. Whereas New Hampshire has like 12 or 13 banks. <laughs> so there's a lot of banks that... Uh, need people, mm -hmm. and there are only so many people that have been trained and have experience in doing a lot of the things that we do. Well, that leads me to kind of talk about um, something that's very dear to myself, um, and that is the Community Leadership Institute. It is a great program that I get to run, and I know that you were a big part of bringing that back. I wasn't here when it was brought back. I'm so glad that when I walked into it, though, it's the program it is today. And in, we are trying really hard to create leaders and understand the needs, whether it be from banking or nonprofits or, you know, agriculture or manufacturing. We're always trying to encourage um, more leaders in our region. And you and I have talked about it before, but I'd love if you want to tell our listeners a little bit about why it was so important to bring the program back to the chamber. Well, I guess I, guess I was chairman of the chamber around 2000. 11, 2012, and uh, I was very, at that time I was involved in a lot of different things. Um, and I was just going to these meetings, community type meetings, and I was bumping into the same people all the time. Mm -hmm. And they're all, we we're all about the same age, <laughs> and there weren't any younger people. And I thought, I thought the leadership program, when I did it, I did it, I, I, I tell the story to your, to your group every year that. <laughs> My graduation was, uh, you know, June twelfth, uh, nineteen ninety one, which I skipped because my son was born that day. But um, so I did it that you know fall of nineteen ninety through ninety one, and uh, I learned a lot about this area. But I'd already, I already I grew up in this area, right. and there were things I didn't know. So you get a lot of other people that didn't grow up in this area that that need to know what's out there. Yeah, and. It's a, you know, your program's evolved a lot since then, and you're doing these projects for the community and stuff like that. Where We didn't do a lot of that back then, but I think it's good that you're doing it now, and, and people, a lot of times, they're not sure what they're interested in, but mm -hmm. once they see certain things, they become interested in it, and it's, and it's hard to, um, it's hard to get involved. You don't, know how, you don't know how to get involved, or you're too shy or whatever to mm -hmm. get involved in certain things, but... Uh, no, I think it, I think it's really good. I, I think it's um, it's a nice program for the participants. I think it's good for the Chamber of Commerce. I'm glad we we started it up again. Because it had gotten stale. I think um, you know in the late '90s it had gotten stale, and it's like anything else. Yeah. And uh, you know having uh, Mike Greenwood involved is it's an altogether different flavor than what I went through. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a better program today than it was back then. Oh, that's although, good to hear. although I really enjoyed it, met some you know met some nice people. I still remember we used to do this this project. It was um, it, it was an airline. It was like a you you ran like an airline. Yep. Okay, and you competed against other people in your class. And Dana Squino, who was the president of, of Mount Wachusett Community College, 
back then, he had like the program. So he, you know, you'd, you'd fill out all these pages and <laughs> I'm gonna increase the airfare on this. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna add a route to Las Vegas <laughs> and I'm gonna cut the route to Charlotte. And you make all, you, you know, your group made all these decisions. And then he'd go and enter it all on the computer and you'd come back the next month and uh, you'd have a meeting and it's like, okay, you made money, you lost money and the other group's doing better than you. And, and um, so, I mean, it was fun, it was fun yeah. from that standpoint, but what you're doing now, putting the groups in and, and, make, and really doing real projects that are helping people is obviously better. Oh, well, thank you. you. We're really pleased to provide an opportunity and a space for all these up and coming leaders to actually have a stake inside of a community and to have some boots on the ground. And a lot of a lot of folks that we, you know, one of the first questions I ask is how many people here have volunteered in a community or been a part of a community project in a leadership role. And it's usually pretty small. So yeah. having them walk out of that nine month course now and being able to say, I ran a community project and we have some that um, are living on after the pro after the, after their leadership program ended. So on a personal standpoint, I know how important it was for our community to bring it back and, I'm really glad that you were part of that. So Marty, you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but Fitchburg Access Television and actually um, occupying some space in your Fitchburg campus. Can you tell us a little bit about bringing them into the fold? I know they were looking for some space at the time and a little bit about your collaboration that you're doing now on a new program called Dollars and Cents, which is airing on FATV. Sure. So we knew that they wanted to be downtown and uh, we had the space available, but what we had that was attractive to them, I think, was the fact that we had warehouse space uh, just down below where they are uh, located now, where they could put their TV van mm -hmm. and equipment and so forth, and get it out of um, get out of the weather. I mean, we're glad to have them. I mean, this the space came out beautiful. I yeah. mean, you walk in that space, you think you're in you think you're in New York City at, at Today Show or something. It's so it's, well it's, done. It's very well done. It's definitely Fitchburg because it's the uh, Red Raider colors, a lot, red. Of, a lot of red, <laughs> but it looks great. It um, it came out uh, great. Dolls and Cents, um, that's uh, been a great thing for us. Again, Mark Ravel, who I mentioned earlier, that they went around to doing a lot of the fraud training and so forth, he's involved with, with Dolls and Cents. And uh, we're glad to be able to do it. It's, um, it's just kind of, it's, it's what we do. It's part of our community involvement. And um, yeah, it's great having them as a tenant. I think that Rollstone is definitely a community bank. You have community involvement, education, dollars and cents here. You guys are everywhere and you're doing a great job being a supportive person in our community. And we thank you for being a partner and we thank you for being on the podcast today. Oh, it was fun. It was fun. Marty, thank you so much. We've been chatting with Marty Connors, the president and CEO at Rollstone Bank and Trust. We're at one of their two Levenster branches at the downtown location at 24 Monument Square in Levenster. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with another new episode next week. You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.